everyone and welcome to Splatsportation, my podcast and channel where I chat about extreme horror books, splatterpunk, indie underground horror, all the nasty, gory, violent stuff that I love to read. Uh, this year as part of my podcast, I'm chatting to some of the authors from the genre and with me today I have Dan Schrader. Welcome to the show, Dan. Thank you for having me. No problem, Steve. Um, yeah, now normally it's kind of the first question when I get started. I ask people when they're, what the first thing they got published was, but I'm guessing yours is, has it happened yet or just happened? It's, or, it's going to be close, right? It's going to happen like, I think, 11 days. Uh, Those Who Live in Darkness, Volume 1, will be coming out. It'll nice. be on Amazon. Uh, and then I have Solace Lonesome through Unveiling Nightmares on February 29th, Leap Day. Awesome. So you got two books coming up pretty much at the same time then. Is that by yeah. design or did it just kind of fall that way? Uh, it kind of fell that way because uh, the first one, Those those Who Live in Darkness, is where it all started. Um, last year, in about April, I used a pseudonym uh, online and was just writing anonymously just to see if people, like, they're like, you, you know, you suck and can't write and all that, you know. I had a kid coming, so wife was like, to just kind of get out there and see if there's anything if not you can write for fun the rest of your life if you want to which is fine but it just it kind of blew up a little bit and then i was kind of met some people and i was like you know i think i'm gonna self-publish something like all my works from on there and rewrite them because i needed a, i needed it the site wasn't really horror driven and mm. I had to dumb like dumb down a lot of stuff and cut out a lot of the you know the good stuff um because otherwise they would have probably canceled me on there like took me off the site so I did that I met all the right people um there's a lot of good people in the community and yeah. I got a lot of help with this first book but as I'm I was doing that and that was around Octoberish of last year I met Crystal from Unveiling Nightmares, Christopher Pelton from Psychotoxin. Uh, and I started writing some small stories for them. And then they signed me for my other story, Soulless Lonesome. And then The Devil's Right comes out May 1st. is like a little novella that I got with Psychotoxin. And I don't know, it just happened really fast. Because <laughs> I already had the February 7th in my mind. Oh, well, technically I wanted December last year. And uh, Candace Nola, she edited my first, she edited Those Who Live in Darkness. And she was like, yeah, you, that's a small window. And like, I didn't know anything. And she was like, yeah. you got to take your time, build up some stuff. You need to get, like, I didn't have a, a Facebook page just dedicated to it. I didn't have an Amazon author page. She has really guided me along the way, mentoring me and helping me. A lot of people like Matt Wildeson and Stephen Kozanowski. Um, I have a lot to do with this first book, and they both write. They all three wrote really great blurbs for it. And, Stephen's work is so good. He's such a good writer. Yeah. What I love about Stephen is he doesn't stay in a box because hmm. he's not just like you know he's one. He's been nominated for Splatterpunk Awards and stuff like that, but he writes just other stuff, and it's yeah. like it's all everything. I mean. He's a really good guy, and he's a great writer. Um, Sounds like you um, really surrounded yourself with some great people to start with. Like, did I, that happen through kind of 
online relationships or was that just Yeah. shipping your book around? Uh, it was, I, I met a lot of these people basic. It all started whenever I wanted to take it serious. I emailed Christopher Triana and some other writers, but Christopher got back to me and was really cool. You know, and I was like, I love your work. Like he is a big inspiration to me. Like, you know, a lot of Same. He's one of early, the best. like for early writers now, like, you know, I love Clive Barker, Edward Lee, Brian, uh, Brian King, but Christopher Triana is kind of that next name. I feel like in a way of now and he, but he emailed me back. He took the time, gave me pointers. And then he told me about Substack. So I got on Substack. I saw Brian Keene on there. I started following his newsletters. And then, This is 700 to catch up on. yeah. So the most recent, I remember one night he was talking about uh, Blue Sky. And this was last summer, or it was like August, September-ish. So it was kind of still new. And all I did was say, hey, I'd love to get on there, you know, because he was talking up about it. bunch of people leaving X or Twitter or whatever. And I, I mean, honestly, I think that was a lot of my success so far was because I got on there and I just threw myself out there and I met Matt Wildeson and Matt Wildeson is a, he's an amazing dude. I got his book. Um, we started chatting. I told him, Hey, would you mind helping me? And he said, absolutely. And he did the cover for the book. And For the um, for the one that's coming out, February yeah, for seventh. those who live in darkness, he made Nice, he made yeah, this it's book a great for cover. I know, and he even did like the VHS. This cassette will melt. Oh, you got like little pictures at the top <laughs> as well, like it's screenshots. yeah, these were actually That's amazing. uh, the original covers on the website Right, cool. for the stories, some of them. Um, but by mate by meeting him, I met, reached out. Then I kind of got. more ballsy, I guess, you know, <clears throat> like reached out to Summer Cannon, Stephen, Candace, just kind of hitting up all kinds of people. And I'm, I feel really blessed because they took a chance on me. And that's, that's the good part about this community that I've came into. I've heard a lot of horror stories in the past, but I kind of feel like it, I mean, I don't know much, but <laughs> I feel like it's a good time. Um, Yeah. and <laughs> I think I, it's a I great want to be time. there I want Yeah, to be I've, in it yeah I think it's amazing that they all got back to you. Like when I started off, I didn't really know anyone. Like I didn't, I hadn't really read much extreme horror splat punk. This is only like a year and a half, two years ago. I hadn't read any of it. yeah Um, so I was kind of coming in new. I didn't really know any of the names and it's quite shy. I didn't really know how to approach anyone, like barely spoke to anyone those first six months. But yeah, I mean, it sounds like you just kind of took a bit of a leap of faith and like, yeah, everyone in this community is so responsive. Like, you can pretty much message anyone within reason and they're going to get back to you and be helpful Yeah. if they can be, which, yeah, I think is probably quite rare, right? Uh, it, it is because, I mean, you can't like hit up Stephen King or Clive Barker so No, easy. no, And exactly. uh, I mean, But yeah, I'd I love mean, like, Clive Barker. That'd be great. but But. yeah, I mean, like Christopher Tron is someone who, you know, I consider to be one of the top in the genre. I mean, yeah, Yeah. like he pretty Got much it right. anytime I've spoken to him, he's just not a lot, but anytime I have, he's always replied like it's. Yeah, I find I've I've messaged him a couple times since, and I mean he'll get back to me. It'll be a while, but I get it. Like you're busy, um, 
Oh, he stays yeah. away from social media a fair bit. He just goes off and writes from what I've seen. Which yeah. I will, I mean, I don't blame the guy. Like, I'm sure. Oh, no, it's fine. We all want. <laughs> I know some people get crazy. Like, some of us, like other writers I've met, are on social media too much. And then hmm. you can just tell, like, it blows. Then they're like, I'm taking a break. And then it takes like a day off. And then they're still going on. And there's going to be <laughs> health. There's going to be a balance. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I kind of allocate time to it. Like I'll reply to messages if I'm in between stuff, but if I'm kind of marketing my books or replying to stuff, it'd be like, okay, I've got an hour now I can get on with it. Otherwise, you know, I'm writing or I'm filming like, cause yeah, obviously you can just get stuck on there. Right. And it's not healthy. Yeah. Well, you took a break uh, around Christmas and stuff, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. I took a, well, it ended up being about a month. It was originally meant to be a day yeah, or two, yeah. but I was just enjoying staying away. <laughs> yeah, we met on my very first live stream I did. Yes, uh, yeah. Yeah, because it was meant to be a second one, but that kind of fell into the period where I was like, no, I'm done for a little bit. Yeah, you kind of took a hiatus, and uh, I wanted to reach out to you about doing this stuff, but I was like, uh, I'm going to wait and yeah. <laughs> talk to Crystal about it, and then I, when I hit you up, you're like, I was actually going to start back up in a day. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, oh, all right. But now yeah, I wanted to give you that yeah. break, but. I, I wanted to respect your time. Oh, yeah, no, I was still kind of checking in and I still had videos coming out, but it was more like less hands-on, more like the stuff that had already been scheduled was coming out. So. Yeah. Yeah, so um, what made you kind of take a chance on this first book? Because it sounds like you were part of the community before you wrote something. So was it seeing other stuff out there or was it like something you've always wanted to do? Like what? kind of drove uh, you to do this first one to the first one like my what drove me to make the first book mm. for those who live in darkness i don't i i wouldn't consider myself part of the community when i first start uh i kind of got into it as i was like making this one and then right. all that but before when i was sutter kane on royal road um I didn't know anything about, you know, a lot of you guys. And I didn't yeah. really know um, what, like, I'd read Edward Lee and Christopher Tryon and stuff. And I just, I didn't really know much about the community until I met Matt Wildeson and Stephen right. and Candace. Then I started getting into meeting more people and like Crystal and Chuck Nasty and you and Chris and then it just kind of i mean I, I pretty much got a crash crash course on all of this i didn't know what arc readers were i didn't know what i yeah. mean i learned everything from i didn't even know the page numbers affected the spine there was so much i was i was such a rookie man oh we also i was the same man like it was only i posted my first book in june 2022 so what 18 19 months ago i knew nothing at that point about self-publishing uh, when I think how much I know now, like 10 books later and all these little details and uh, people hit me up all the time asking me stuff and I can always answer the questions. Like it wasn't that long ago that I didn't know any of it, but it's amazing and how you quickly you kind of just learn it, right? And it makes a huge difference when you got people helping you out. Yeah. Because that saved me a lot of heartache and headache probably because <laughs> I would have just threw the book out in December and like a Hail Mary and it probably 
still take copies of you know other than my family and friends and then mm. uh, you know but I, i'm in this for the long haul like this has been a passion since i was in fourth grade like i always loved horror and writing and when i was a kid i was always like i want to be a writer you know like i want to be a writer no matter what and as i was getting older my dad you know he always support he's always supported me my mom and my dad always supported me whatever i did but they were like hey think of something like you can like you know you got to have something yeah <laughs> just in case because you can't live off being a writer you're not going to write one book and become the next five barker my dad was always you know he's like i you he's pragmatic like, yeah he's like you got the spirit kid but you gotta have a backup so yeah I was always like, yeah, I'll be a chef, you know, and do that. And, but everything has work, worked out. I mean, I don't have to be famous. Like, I just feel so accomplished holding that book for the first time in my hands. It's been a long dream. Yeah, and that's I, an amazing think, feeling when you hold that first book. It's very and hard I, to uh, Yeah, and I don't ever want to lose touch with writing for myself hmm. first. Because you I feel it. like... Yeah. Uh, from experience talking to other authors that I've gotten to know that they've told me that and they've like, don't ever. And as you progress, say you write 10 books down the road, don't hate your first book. Don't hate your old work. That's where you came from. You know, yeah. you kind of respect it. Like that's, that's your journey. No, I think you've always got to write for yourself. Like I tell people this all the time. It's too hard to write for, for an audience, for someone else, like you're, yeah. you're putting in so much time and effort and energy and just, you know, you, you, you got the words on the page, sure, but you're like walking around all the time thinking about it. Like you can't yeah. devote you that sort of. You don't have your heart in. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be too difficult. Like, I don't dream about love and romance all the time, or I'd be <laughs> writing romance. Probably, have, I probably wouldn't use Dan Schrader if I was a romance writer, but. No, Dan's Reddit does sound more like a horror writer. I think you've got yeah. a surname there that just fits nicely in. Yeah, I'm glad my name, my my actual name worked out. So. Yeah. Did you consider a um a pen name or did you just go straight for your name? I th I thought about a pen name, not the, the one on the website, because Sutter Kane's kind of, you know, in the mouth of madness and all that. For a fun for a little fun on the site, I just use it Sutter Kane. But I mm. thought about for a while. It's a character's name I actually used in um, Solus Lonesome, which you've read, Salem Hightower. Right. That's I, I thought cool. about that. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of actually. Solus a lot of Stephen King references in one name, but still. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I knew you. There's some people that have caught that. And I was like, that's such a cool name. <laughs> and I probably have to, in knowing my work with Towers Valley, like this book and the book coming out on the 29th, everything I write takes place in Towers Battle yeah. or around it. And you've read Solus Lonesome. Yeah. So you know about it. And uh, Salem High Towers. There's a lot of stuff. There's stuff in there that's left unanswered, but it's for a reason because even if I kill a character off, he may show up later on somewhere else 20 years in the past. Um, I just I don't have a timeline. I don't have a big lay geological, geographic you know thing. I'm just kind of going by it, 
keeping it. So you're looking to do the kind of Edward Lee thing then of having your own sort of universe almost. Yeah, and it was nice because uh, Psychotoxin and Unveiling Nightmares, we all kind of came together for this. They came out. And the diner shows up in like three different stories. And then on the back, they had... Um, <laughs> I'll blow that out for you. Okay, thank you. I, I didn't think about it. <laughs> I'll have to remember that. Yeah, I always put diners. When I used to write screen, screenplays, there was always a fucking diner in every script. Love them. I love them. You know what I want to write more of? Um, that I feel like we don't have anymore in horror and just... Um, what they the automats, right? Where you put the quarter in and open, you get the thing that like pie. And yeah, uh, you've seen you've seen Dark City. Yes. Movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that movie. That movie was before yeah. its time. Yeah, uh, yeah. The oh. automat, he's in there. I love. Yeah. You mean I, the I, I, Alex, the Alex Pryor one, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's great. I feel like yeah, like they go to sleep at midnight. And they yeah, yeah. People's brains. Yeah. I've always wanted to write something kind of similar to that, inspired yeah. by that. You should, man. That's yeah, that's cool. That kind of trippy, kind of yeah, it's like noirish horror, right? Which I've seen already. You can do noir, so. I love yeah, dark noir, definitely. Yeah. Like Angel Heart is my favorite, one of my favorite movies of all time. With Mickey De Niro, is it Angel Heart? Yeah, and Robert De Niro. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the have you read the book by William Johannes? No, I haven't. No, it's my it's my favorite book. That book, I just I love it. It's it is, yeah. I, I at least try and read it every couple of years. But that movie I watch every year. And I was just telling my, uh, we got really close with Chuck Nasty, and I was telling him about it. And he's like, I've never seen that. Why have I not seen that? Yeah. And I was like, It change your life, dude. You gotta watch. It. Yeah, I was just talking to Chuck like just before we started this. And- <laughs> yeah, I talk to him almost every day now. We're always BSing right. about something. <laughs> yeah, it's because I read his book as well for um, oh, Unveiling yeah. Nightmare. I yeah. read it too uh, and wrote a little blurb for it. Mm, same, yeah. <laughs> it's very, uh, I love it, man. Like I told him I was getting some, uh, some kind of, uh, what's that vampire movie? Or the vampire TV show, the because of the diet, the bar they have there uh, from True Dust Blood. to Dawn or True Blood. True, True Blood. Blood. Yeah. I got yeah. that one part. It kind of got some True True Blood vibes, bar vibes. Yeah, yeah. I told him if, I found it was a bit like Stoner Gore. I was like, yeah, well. yeah. I saw that. <laughs> Stoner Gore. That's yeah. that should be a that should definitely be his his thing. I think so. I've read enough of his work now to be like, yeah, it feels like that's your thing. <laughs> Definitely. So have you kind of um have you got an idea in your mind as to what sort of books you want to write? Like like you know, like um Soulless Lonesome's the only thing I've read of yours and it had a very noir feel to it. Like is that something you see incorporating in a lot of your work or you want to kind of jump around and not really be pigeonholed? Like what's that? Yeah. Do you have uh, a kind of slate in mind? I see I, right now. It just kind of goes where the characters take me. Hmm. I think, yeah, like those who live in darkness, uh, it's it's like a. Did you suggest it to me that that one's a bit more gory, right? Yeah, extreme. it's just a, it's more on a like a spectrum of things. Like there's 
serial killers, unhealthy relationships, sci-fi, cosmos, um, hillbilly, family incest. Um, oh, cool. <laughs> just real uncomfortable, uncomfortable stuff. Um, I mean, I think Craven's Freaks is probably one of my goriest extreme ones in there, but um, I, I, I feel like that one, yeah, goes one way, and then Solus Lonesome is very noir. Uh, it's got that hard-boiled detective type stuff to it. Mm. Every character in it has a crazy backstory and there's twists and turns like every second i mean you read it did you did you see the ending coming um no not really i think that like i kind of figured i don't want to spoil too much of it but i kind of figured there was a family aspect to it all yeah Um, it's kind of and as you read it without yeah but as you read it there's breadcrumbs that are actually giving you certain yeah. things. And it took, I rewrote that so many times. I worked on off and on for like six, seven years. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. With okay. it. Yeah. And I first wrote it out by hand and <laughs> it was a short, it was a short story. It was like 20 pages. And I was like, there's hmm. too much. And it was just like way too fast. And I was like, this, nah, no one's going to get into this. Because sometimes when you read something that needs to be a little longer, you're just yeah. like, that's uh, stupid. It doesn't work. And as I was writing it and expanding it, I was like, I had all the ending just kind of bam, hit you. But then there's so much twists and turns on the way. I felt like I was taking too much time. I hate it whenever it gets to the final final moment and they have to explain everything to you. The characters are having dialogue about it, and you're just like, yeah. "Why don't you kill him?" Like, why, <laughs> why is it? The, why are we doing this? Why do you have to explain it to him? You know. So I wanted the main character to know, kind of like, "Oh, you, this is why I saw yeah. this." The you know, and then we're right there with him, and it took a lot of rewrites to get it to that point. I was obsessed over the timing, and L- I'll tell you what. I, that is the hardest this is one of the that was one of the hardest books to write for me yeah. just being new and kind of hitting up that complexity of things yeah it was i wanted to make sure certain things were mentioned that and tied in together uh there was originally like some other things that were in there i just cut because i was like this is too much you know you can't do too much but i think it's well balanced uh, see, I kind of cheated on that front. My first book was a screenplay that I'd written, which I'd done like seven drafts of. Like that thing had been developed beyond yeah. all kind of. So when it came to writing the book, it was a fully developed story. I just had to work out how to adapt it into a book, which was the harder part was changing prose and tense and getting it right. And I, you know, I added a couple of chapters at one in the TV pilot, but it was yeah like i had to story, and the same as my next book was also a script so i kind of gave myself a bit of leeway to start with like trying to create that first story from scratch i didn't do until i was four or five books in <laughs> yeah have you ever thought about just putting a a book out or a collection out of like short screenplays in a book style no. screenplay format no no because then steve, steve King did that in some of his 
Uh, yeah, God, I've got so many screen. I put one of my screenplays on my Patreon, my Christmas horror, which I was going to adapt into a book at some point. But at the moment, I've just been working on stuff that's a little more original. Uh, Hack behind me there, that was adapted from a short screenplay. That was originally a 25 page screenplay. So I'm sure yeah, I'll put that on my Patreon at some school, point. I, mean, I wrote screenplays. That's what I wanted to do. Yeah. I wrote like 15, but it, it wasn't horror. I wrote, mm. it was like drama, uh, crime stuff. Yeah. Like real deep. Uh, probably my best. Like, I, I mean, some of them were like Tarantino ish. Yeah. Um, God, be one, like, our generation. one of them was like, <laughs> Uh, one called Hardgrove, and it's yeah. a guy's last name. And he was like a dude that was had walked with a limp because he was a big baseball player in his hometown, and he got in a bad car wreck and ruined his whole career. And mm. his girlfriend, who's like the most beautiful girl in town, got her face mangled, and so they stay together and they're alcoholics. So he gets sober and forced to work in a liquor store because mm. the times are tough and he can't work anywhere. His buddy gets out of prison and gets him back into the life of crime. It's kind of very, uh, like those old school, like Sean Penn and, uh, right, yeah. type of, uh, thing big, big, like 90s, like the crime ones and the, the so like ones. Mystic River or something like that. Mystic River, yeah, 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 definitely. Love that film, yeah. So, most of my stuff was horror, but the only time I really had any success in script writing was something that wasn't horror. So like I got called up from some agents and producers wanting to see what work I've got. And it was like nothing like the feed they were really happy with. So I'm like, oh yeah, I got this film. I got this feature script called Pimps versus Ninjas. They're like, yeah, that's not really what we're looking for. Yeah. <laughs> what so so you've dabbled in Hollywood, right? No, not in Hollywood, no. I wrote in England and I only had like I had a short film in the cinema. Um but no features. Like I, I kind of made some good connections. I know some people. You know, yeah, it's, it's nice. But yeah, nothing quite worked out in the end. I'm about to twist this back on you, like, and ask you questions. <laughs> hey, you know, what do you think? Uh, what was harder, screenplays and getting them out, or books? Um, I mean, writing. I think writing was no. I, I think no. I'd say scripts. Like, I, I got no success really with scripts like i think my screenplays are good and anyone who's read them will say they're good like i haven't had much bad feedback when producers have asked for my scripts they've been like okay it's not quite for us what else have you got which kind of suggests to me that they've enjoyed the writing rather than just being like oh, let's forget it like they've always asked for another script which if the writing wasn't good they wouldn't but yeah, it never quite worked. I didn't make a lot of money in screenwriting and nothing really got made other than one or two little things where in books, like obviously because it's self-publishing now, you can just get the work out right. And it's people read it and you get feedback and it's just a lot more gratifying than spending two years on a screenplay that no one will ever read. So yeah. kind of in my mind, it's a lot easier writing, but not easier, but it's a lot more satisfying writing books at the moment. Yeah, I remember when I was in high school, I wrote one of my scripts and uh, I called an agent. Excuse me. I called an agent and they weren't there. And they're like, if, if you need to contact like your secretary. So I called and she answered at home and she chewed me out. Because <laughs> yeah. I thought it was so important. 
you know, I was in high school. I got this really good script. She's yeah. like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. But did you find it hard to, I found it kind of hard switching from that screenplay style, like format in a way, because of showing and telling and all that. Yeah. Oh, switching. it was really hard. I, I yeah, really. It took me, like, I can write a book now in about three months, going at my speed, at my pace that I want to. Uh, Abby versus Splatsportation Bob was my first book. Took maybe about a year and a half. And a year of that was just trying to switch from present tense to past tense and yeah. trying to make the scenes kind of how they should be in a book rather than a script. Like, I would worry now if I had to go back the other way. If I was suddenly like, oh, I'm going to write a script tomorrow, something I've done for 25 years, can do it with my eyes closed. I would be a bit nervous about it now because yeah. I haven't done it for a couple of years because I switched tents for the books. Well, I, I wanted to touch on that because not many, like, you know, there's a lot of people write scripts, a lot of people write books, but you wrote screenplays first. I wrote short stories as a kid, but then I got, when I got like older, I was like screenplays all about it and wrote them all throughout yeah. high school. And I struggled with putting this together and starting on this is only like the last you know four years of hmm. trying to write uh books like in short stories and the past the tense issues are there man like i struggle <laughs> still at times i'll be writing and if i take a break for like a day and then i go back then the next thing i know i'm like why i just wrote all <laughs> this in past tense and then i spent the whole day writing in yeah. present yeah. tense and that's just, yeah i mean lucky for me i like I said, I had the first Abbey book that was the constant battle. And I wrote the second Abbey book right afterwards, which didn't come out until a couple of months ago. There was like eight, nine books in between. But that was actually the second book I ever wrote. And that still had the same issues. And then Near Death was my third book. And that still kind of had the same issues, but I was ironing it out. It was only Blood Soak Wrestling, so the kind of fourth book I wrote, but the third I published, where I was starting to get the tents all right and yeah. by that point the editors had done a great job like wendy my first editor had really done a good job of bringing it up in a nice way where she could see i was switching tenses in between sentences and kind of explaining it to me and not in a patronizing way but in a way where i was like oh okay yeah i can see that now that you've pointed it out like reading it i couldn't see it but yeah, once it's pointed out i'm like okay i and switching heads in between like you know i was like oh shit yeah no i have done that haven't i like it just yeah. because it doesn't matter on the screenplay because it's all present i can do that but so much, in past yeah, tense so it doesn't easy. work at all like, yeah you don't get into the uh the emotions as into much. the emotion it's no, all no. dialogue yeah. and uh but yeah because yeah, that's the other side because obviously screenplays they say the more white on the page the better which is the complete opposite to a book yes yes totally a lot of times they're like characters telling too much of what's going on they're like stop you know telling Get rid of all of that yeah yeah and uh when i when i got my first edit back from candace and uh more for those who live in darkness mm. i was like all the tense issues i was like wow there was so <laughs> there that was most of my issues like that was most yeah. of the so I didn't feel as bad, but it opened my eyes to a lot yeah. 
Um, they gave me a, a lot of great pointers. And so why are you going to use an editor? Because oh yeah, yeah I like, really agree with that. I thought it was great. I I thought yeah. it was great, and I was going to put it out. They're like, hey, have you got an editor? And I was like, well, I mean, I got well. What is it? You know, you get the the software that edits. Yeah, Grammarly and yeah, stuff. That's, yeah. That's, <laughs> no, you got to have the human eye. And even that's... with, uh, say, I look at it and you look at it, we get an editor. We're not going to catch 10. There's going to be still like 10 to 5 to 10%. Yeah. It's still not going to get caught. For me, like, I can't, I can't fucking spell properly. And my grammar is shit. Like, I need an editor to proofread it for me. Yeah. Like, I'm fine with story. I've been doing story since I was 14 years old. Like, I've got more experience in story than most people kind of at my level at the moment of where I'm at in my career because of all the script writing beforehand. So I felt really comfortable with story. But, yeah, I wasn't looking for the tenth stuff. It didn't even occur to me, really. Like, yeah. I knew I had to change it, and I'd spent all that time changing it. I'd spent a year changing it. And there was still so many little bits that the editor had to change because I was using is instead of was and little tiny details that I would have completely overlooked because yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I knew the story, but I wasn't used to writing in this format. Yeah, it's it's uh you kind of that's why you need mind. the editor for. Yeah. Yeah, I'm more of like that's the way I look. I was just like, well I I'm more of a storyteller, you know, but mm. people aren't at the end of the day, you could be a great storyteller and everything, but if the words are just fucked up. Yeah. And, it sounds like garbage, and it was like, man, what the hell's going on here? Yeah, yeah. And I realized that too. Whenever I was online under the fake name, uh, that was the only bad reviews I got. Everybody loved my stories and stuff, but there was like, yeah, there's tense issues here and there. So yeah. I kind of noticed it then. But even whenever I rewrote and stuff, and then I gave it to her, I wrote it in like a feverish state. Um, I was like, damn it, you know, there's still the tense issues. Yeah, now, yeah. after looking at everything, you know, I got signed for the other ones. But now, like, I'm almost finished with the novella right now. And I could, I'm sure I missed, <laughs> I'm sure I have tense issues in them. But it's it's nothing compared to what they were before because yeah. I'm more aware of it. Yeah. And, uh, oh, it's amazing. Like, just getting that first edit back. Um from Wendy, who was my editor at the time, and just seeing the red and it not being like story and not being character, it just being like tense issues or switching whose perspective it was in between sentences and, and stuff like that. Like you learn so quickly from it because you feel like, oh no, like did yeah. I do bad? And it's like, no, no, you did do bad. You just need to keep an eye out for this. And then every edit afterwards, whether the same book or different books you want it to be less mistakes every time like i have no problem with seeing mistakes about spelling and grammar because i know that i'm just i'm never going to be great at it i can get better yeah. but i'm never going to trust myself with it but the tense stuff now i'm like you know i'm kind of trying to be as on it as i can because like you like even after all that some of my early reviews for my work brought up tense and jumping between different characters I'm like, yeah. man, like she's done all that hard work and there was still other stuff in there. Like, how well, much did I fuck that up that. to start with? <laughs> yeah. I I, don't know, I think as long as as long as you get an editor and all that, and like, yeah, and not everybody's gonna like your work. I finally 
I got my first bad review like a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And at first oh, yeah, I was like, <laughs> yeah, at first I was like, I've been, you know, I've been getting a lot of good four or five stars. And I was like, and I got a two star one and it kind of hit me a little bit, but I was like, you know what? They took, they, in, in the review, they said, I finished it. Yeah. And it just wasn't their jam. So you got to respect that. I mean, they, I can't hate yeah. it. I mean, it's, it is what it is. They just wasn't yeah, it was, it's one of those things. It, it's hard as a new writer. Like the first time I got a two-star review, I was like, well, what? Where'd that come from? What did I like, do wrong? Did I do wrong? And then I read the review because they didn't put one up at first because I was like, oh, I want to know what's wrong. Which is a bit stupid of me. I shouldn't have done that really because I don't know if the person saw it and that's why they then wrote the review afterwards or whether it just took a few days to come through. Either way, yeah. I shouldn't have said that. Like that was stupid of me, but... It's when you just get started, right? Like, yeah, you want to know. Yeah. And, like, they wrote the review, and I was like, oh, that's actually quite fair. Like, what they said, I'm like, yeah, yeah I, I totally agree with that. Like, they basically said they really liked it, but there's a lot of information that isn't here, and the reason was was because I was going to write a second book. But I haven't wrote a sequel to it yet, so it's like it looks even more like they were right now. Like, Yeah, it's... It's, but either way, it's even if they game. just fucking hated it, I should have just been like, oh, no, that's fine. Each to their own. But... Yeah, I, I'm glad I had people already in my circle yeah. that know better than I do. Yeah. Don't, I don't react to any review. Don't, it's not, for, like, it's yeah. not about you. Yeah, yeah, they're like, welcome to the tribe. <laughs> like, yeah, just exactly. Don't take it personal. And I was like, you no. know what? I, I didn't, and I, I respected it. Uh, yeah, but the other I thing is within extreme horror, like you can have some great one star reviews within extreme horror. Like it, that, yeah. you can sell your books on one star reviews in extreme horror. So, you can't, yeah, you can't do that in any other genre. But in this genre, right. it's it's just as good as a five star. It's those twos that are kind of annoying. Like you want it to yeah. be like a a one star or like yeah. you know, I think four I think or five. Judas, Judas Sonnet, she. Mm. Uh, her stuff, like she gets those one, two stars, and then yeah. they put like this is the most disgusting thing. And then yeah, and like, sales just go right there. <laughs> yeah, uh, Duncan Reiston's lived off that through Womb. Like those oh, one star yeah. films have done amazing for him. Well, and that's the thing too. I my wife was like, Okay, let's think about this. She goes, We're sitting, we're laying in bed, and you're like, I want to watch a scary movie tonight. She goes, What is it you always look for? What do you always want to put on? She's like terrible movies with two stars. <laughs> Those terrible B movies or, yeah, or C love you know, <laughs> I'm like, oh look, this got one star. It's gotta like we gotta it's check gonna be this fun. Out. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know it's not gonna be polished, right? You just want something that's a bit raw and someone's put their soul into it and it hasn't worked, mm -hmm. but you can tell that they've tried. Like that's yeah. the stuff that I enjoy. I yeah, I was I think that's where a lot of people get um they think as writers like it's just it's such an easy process like like yeah. everybody's one like friends of mine and people i work with are like hey when's the book coming out when's the book coming out man i want to when's this book coming out and i'm like i told you february 7th and this is months ago and here yeah. we are getting close and they're like why is it not out yet like why why are you gonna have a day why does it take so long and i was like it doesn't happen for <laughs> no. and they're like well some people just put books out right away and i was like yeah it's like there's a process to get 
Uh, you've got to, it's another thing you have to learn quite early is you've got to go at your own pace. Like you can get caught up in it. You can see people out there like Judith Sonnet, like Matt Shaw, like Brian Berry, like Ash Eric Moore, who seem to have a new book every week. And if you try and do that yourself, like you will destroy yourself so quickly. It's, like, it's not for everyone. Like some people can yeah. do it. Most can't. You just got to ride at your own pace. Yeah. I mean, I work a full time job overtime all the time if i have to uh i'm a new dad and mm. wife. i mean everybody's everybody's lives are different yeah, some people exactly. yeah some people and and not only that some people have just as much or more going on but they are able to sit down and just pound stuff out yeah. every writing style is different it's uh and that's what makes it so great everybody's so different like verse, you know, just you meet a lot of cool people. You read there's stuff you read, and you're like, I could never write that. It's so cool. Yeah, because they're you know putting stuff your own life in your work. Like, do you yeah. do like do you do that? Like pieces of you and every character. Like, um, yeah, always. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's and if there's things I don't understand and I don't live that other yeah. people put, and you're just like, I that's amazing, and I could never understand that. Yeah, one me. I've one I've seen recently, I've just fallen in love with his work is um Brian Bauer. Yeah. I couldn't write one of his books. I wouldn't know how to do it. But yeah, I absolutely love it. But yeah, like if I tried to write like that, it would be a disaster. Like uh Keisto, Healy, uh The Pit. I haven't read that one though. That's it's like you know, it's just based on a true story. It's like what kind of stuff he dealt with growing up. Yeah, it's, you can't replicate that, can a, you? It's a must. Yeah. No, you can't. Like, because it's it's sad. Like, it's sad stuff. So, what's your um, what's your process like now when you get to write? I'm guessing you don't use pen and paper anymore. So. I still do. I like to like yeah. if I'm in bed, I'll write by hand notes. I mostly it's like outlines. I'll write a chunk. And then be like, here's where we go. Here's what we do. And then yeah. just write another chunk or sit there and write dialogue for scenes. Oh, um, okay, cool. So you still got a very much a script writing approach to yeah, it. Yes. I still yeah. have that script writing approach to it. Yeah. So sometimes, yeah, I'll just lay in bed and I'll write out just the dialogue of yeah. what that scene is. I still call them scenes and stuff. Oh, I do. I'm um, terrible in my reviews. I, I can't. I barely say chapter. I'm always like, yeah. oh, this scene and this scene. And I call maybe them movies half the time. <laughs> maybe we should start up a different style and just start doing that. Yeah. yeah. I already yeah. refer to my writing as kind of cinematic. <laughs> in my head, it's all a film. Like, but now I, I type. I type a lot. I got a what really do you cool... use? Do you use Word or Google Docs? Uh, Microsoft, or... Microsoft Word. Yeah. I use that. I got this for Christmas from somebody. It's really cool. It's like a oh, nice, yeah. And it's like a, it, and it reminds me of a typewriter. Yeah, that's cool. It was a a gift that I didn't ask for once. Yeah. I that's got to help with the noirs, right? I feel like noirs stuff. should always be written on typewriters. Yeah, and it reminds me of that feeling because my grandmother got me a typewriter when I was a kid when she saw me write by hand. She got me one of those yeah. old big ones from like yeah. Salvation Army or something. Oh, if I could spell, I would use a typewriter. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? I remember just writing. They had the electronic ones too. 
Yeah, I was always almost scripts with pen and paper, like not the actual screenplay, but all the notes. Like I'd have like about four notebooks for every fucking screenplay. It was ridiculous. I had a whole cupboard that had like yeah, fifty folders in it, and I was like. What if I go to move or what if there's a fire? Like I would I would lose like 20 years worth of work. I have I have a lot of my writing from when I was a kid still, like in tablets and I mean basically everything I wrote as a kid was regurgitated what I saw on TV. So if I like say I want to write Halloween, but I'm gonna have it this different and these different characters, that's all it was. And that's kind of how you start. Yeah, mine was all kind of like, if Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino were doing horror, what would it look like? Yeah. And so what are you um, working on at the moment? At the moment, I am about to finish up my Splatpoitation story for our anthology we're a part of. Is that the Splatology one, yeah? Splat... Oh, Splatology. Splat... Yeah, I'm on. Yeah, yeah I'm not doing an anthology yet. Splatology. Splatology, yeah. The one from Unfailing Nightmares, yeah. Yeah, I'm in that one. You in it? Stuart Bray, Chuck Nass. It's got a lot of big mm. names. I'm glad. I'm glad I'm a part of it. And I'm about to finish up my story for that. Nice. Just kind of going over it. And I'm going to send it off tomorrow. And then I have a um untitled piece right now novella that i'm almost done with and i should have it to canvas uh mid next month or towards the end of next month i already have yeah. the cover picked out by grim poppy and it's already done oh uh, nice uh, okay I she's love fantastic her yeah yeah she's done soulless lonesome and the devil's right i Ride. think all yeah all three of those books behind me they're all candid uh, they're all um christy aldridge grim poppy yeah, Hack I, was um, maybe. yeah, Hack was an interesting one because I gave her a shitty little doodle for it, and she just made it look amazing. So yeah, I, I gave her like, here's what this, and then I always send her like pictures of movies, and like right. kind of like yeah. this or this, and uh, I think I sent her for the Devil's Right. I was kind of like, well, if you're gonna do this, the Tree Man, he looks like this, and it's the guy, the the Night Ripper off of a uh, Cobra Stallone movie. <laughs> Right, nice. Yeah. yeah. But we went with something different. It looks totally good. But uh yeah, right now the untitled novella and it takes place, of course, around Towers Valley, and it actually links together some of from the gutters that's in Those Who Live in Darkness and some other little pieces of that. So like I always do, just kind of putting little breadcrumbs here and there to building your world up <laughs> yeah just building the world because yeah. i don't uh you know and that's a bad thing i have so much stuff that's not out yet so i can't like, really talk about it but as i get going hopefully people pick up on it and hopefully they're like oh did you notice this and this like that would be cool yeah. I, I would really enjoy that um yeah it can be done like i yeah like i said brian bauer does it with his work um, Otis bateman does it a lot there's loads of little links between his stories like i like it like it just kind of i don't yeah yeah just builds i feel like it was was like sci-fi writers fantasy writers they did that all the time yeah they still do but i feel like as horror writers like it's definitely something 
we've adopted. Like, yeah, kind of I think as long thing. as each piece stands on its own, still, then I'm all mm -hmm. for it. Like, I don't want to have to do homework every time I read a book. So, as long yeah. as it kind of stands on its own, then I think that's, you know, it works. Yeah, that's where I kind of stick with it. You know, the town, you know, mm. the Robin Hood Hills and the Barnett's Bluff, and then the Rhine River. And that's kind of the main pieces to it. And then there's there's always a diner yeah. mentioned at certain parts. I mean, it's nothing like two where you have to like, well, what's going on? It's not going to take away from it. But if you read another story, you're going to be like, I see a connection here. Yeah. Yeah. Or a character will show up and then you read another story. And you're like, whoa, that guy was yeah. in that story. But it's not going to affect the timeline or you reading like at all. Yeah, it's just those little Easter eggs just chucked in there. Yeah, because if you do that, I get what you mean. Like, I've read some stuff where it's supposed to have people, in, and then it starts talking about them like you're supposed to know who they are, and it kind of yeah. throws you off. Yeah. Yeah, no, I can't do that. I can't do that with films. I can't do that with books. But, yeah, if it's just like a little mention or if it's stuff that you just, they've explained again and you know where you're at, then, yeah, it's yeah. just it's good fun. Yeah. Um yeah, what else to ask you now. Uh so yeah, you had um quite a kind of culty feel as well in Solus Lonesome. Um, like yeah, I was gonna say, where's that kind of come from? Where's that? Uh I grew up my dad was a preacher. Oh, okay. Right. And I uh It's amazing how many horror writers have some link to religion in the yeah. past. I I rebelled a lot against it, studied a lot. Um, I've always had a big fascination with serial killers, stuff like that. I had the encyclopedia of serial killers. I read a lot of stuff, watched a lot of stuff I shouldn't have watched. But <clears throat> with divorced parents, one house allowed me to do that, and the other house yeah. was it was like night and day, totally different. Not. Did, did it suck at the time? Yeah, I was a rebellious teen. It was a big change in my life. But they did a great job of raising me, and they're great parents. I get both of their perspectives. Mm. I still have good relationships with them. Um, but having those two perspectives helps as well as a writer, right? It, you get a more yeah, balanced view. It, it had a huge impact on yeah. my thought process with a lot of stuff. But yeah, I have a lot of cult, you know, like elements and like. Because I noticed he wasn't um, particularly aggressive about that side of things in the book. Like you want kind of like the crazy cult stuff. You want kind of laying in on it all the time or anything like yeah. that. It was more just part of the narrative. Like yeah, it's part of it. Like so, it kind of makes you. I didn't want to like. Uh, how do I say it? Like. I felt like if I pushed too much on it, it would take away from the actual story. Yeah. So I wanted it to be eased in at a point, like how as you're going with the character and he's learning about it, and it's easing yeah. in, it's easing in to the point where it's like, um, you're, you're just it's a part of it. It's more a part of this journey, and uh, you mm -hmm. kind of get what's going on, but you don't. But the whole time he doesn't know everything that's going on until he figures it out in the end, and we're right there with it. Yeah. So that was one yeah. thing with a lot of the rewriting because at first I felt like it was too much because I brought right. like it was brought up in every conversation and that's what I mean. It's not at all 
like it's just there when it needs to be it's not kind of overhanging all the time which i think you've done really well i think you balanced out like really well and yeah it just gave room for the other stuff to breathe like the homeless people or the story yeah. of kind of jim or whatever or the stuff with the sister like it just gave you more room for character stuff yeah i feel like um uh sydney shiv he edited it mm. and he was really impressed he loved it and he was like i feel like you can make a series out of this and you could do vicente and milligan like their own little story before and you mm. know of course I don't want to ruin the ending, but there could be a sequel. <laughs> and I've kind of already thought about it. Okay. Yeah. Not sure yet. Yeah. Just got to see where it all goes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the what's the dates of the books again? The two that are uh, coming out soon, just so everyone knows. Those Who Live in Darkness, Volume 1 comes out February 7th on Amazon. Get it there. And then through Unveiling Nightmares. February 29th is Solus Lonesome. And we're going to have an audio book as well. They're almost done oh. with that. And I got picked like some old guy. Who did you like go he, through with that? Is that just uh, through Amazon or is that someone else? Or? I'm not sure who she went through. I can't remember oh. the name of it. But he sounds like he's smoking a pipe and sitting by a fire. And nice. he's just reading the story. It's and got that feel to it though. Like I picture both of the... Um, the detectives he hires. I, I picture both of them being quite old and beardy yeah. and looking like they were in the omen or something. <laughs> it kind of reminded me of like an older William Shatner. Right. Okay. Cool. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. That'll be audiobook, ebook, paperback. And you can get that on, I think you can get it on Barnes and Noble and all kinds of places. So nice. Cool. And uh, Amazon as well. Um, but my Facebook page, Dan Schrader Horror. You can just follow that. I always put update stuff on there. And I got, yeah, an Amazon author page. Pretty much Dan Schrader Horror, either all together or space, is kind of my thing. I've just been trying to keep it simple and easy and just putting it yeah. out. So you go all that it now, then you got the Amazon and the Goodreads page. Um, and all of that. Yeah, TikTok and Instagram, which I'm trying to keep up with. Yeah. I just kind of take one day out of the week to focus on it. I've been playing around with Canva mm. with some add stuff yeah that's why nice. I, I do the same on my, every wednesday is like my admin sort of social yeah. media day yeah but i do it and then my publishers will do something like a postcard or something you know fancy or stuff yeah but i i believe like you gotta um i don't know i just can't sit back and let them do all of it i'm so excited about all this stuff and i love it and yeah, i you, you know, you're enjoying like, it right you kind oh, of yeah like, this is what you want to do and it's, it's exciting really times yeah, this is my passion. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I look forward to. Follow. Yeah, I look forward to the books coming out. I will cover um, Soulless Lonesome on the channel. Um, I'm going to do that with a couple of other books. So that will be. Yeah. The video for that, I think, will be out at the end of February. So that should hopefully tie into when the book comes out. So. Yeah, it's Leap Day, which. Leap Day what? for a reason. Yeah, Leap Day is February 20th. Yeah, I'm trying to think. It might actually be that day that I've got the video scheduled for, so that would work out very well. <laughs> yeah, which I guess we didn't mention. Oh, where did you go? There you are. Which <laughs> I, I we didn't mention. Uh, the book does play a lot on a leap year. It does. Yeah, yeah kind of, have a... That's why. That's why that date was picked. Yeah. 
and uh february 7th was already picked for the other book so i was like well two books it's gotta be february 29th yeah well exactly it's not coming around for another four years so you're gonna have to do it this year yeah and the fact (laughs) that it takes place in 1984 on february uh you know it takes up up into the leading into the days of did you have to double and triple check that that was a leap year or were you like no i know it's a leap year actually I didn't even, whenever I started getting all this, I was like, holy crap, next year's a leap year. And I'd already wrote it. And I was like, this is, I was like, I got to get, the, I got to get this out. And then it ended up signing. <laughs> the motivation. It. Yeah. yeah and it, it's all working out. Awesome. awesome. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank it's you. been lovely getting to chat to you. And yeah, I look forward to seeing how the books are going to do. I'm kind of yeah. curious about Soulless Lonesome. It's got a nice balance to it. And, yeah, yeah, I, really, I, I want to see it do well, and I want to see Unveiling Nightmare do well as well as as they begin to publish. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff they got coming out. And I appreciate you giving me your time. And like I said, trying not to pigeonhole myself. It's too extreme on one end. Solus Lonesome is kind of my mainstream uh, type of horror. So, yeah. Thank um, you. No problems. Thanks for coming along. And yeah, hopefully we get to speak again soon. Definitely, man. Have a great day. You too. See you later.